Hey, you're listening to the House of Prayer Leadership Podcast. My name is Matthew Lilly. I'm the host of another podcast called Presence Pioneers. But we have this House of Prayer Leadership Podcast for you as a resource for leaders who are hosting prayer meetings in their city. These are recordings provided by Brad Stroop from the Prayer Room in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. And he's allowed us to take these training recordings and provide them to you as a free resource on this House of Prayer Leadership Podcast. Now, these are a number of years old, but they're going to provide some amazing practical training for anyone who's trying to organize people to pray, especially for multiple prayer meetings every week. And so we wanted to provide these to you as a resource, and I hope they're super helpful for you. We're so thankful to Brad Stroop and the Prayer Room in Dallas-Fort Worth for allowing us to repurpose these trainings. And if you'd like to connect to a podcast that's putting out new content on a regular basis, then we would love to have you also join us for the Presence Pioneers podcast, which is available on all platforms and is also available at presencepioneers.org. And the heart of the Presence Pioneers podcast is to equip you to host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer. And so we have Bible teachings as well as interviews with leaders in the worship and prayer movement to help inspire you and equip you to host the presence of God. Please enjoy this session of the House of Prayer Leadership Podcast with Brad Stroop. So beginning and sustaining prayer meetings. And we're going to do three sessions on this subject. This is uh, the first of our House of Prayer Leadership tracks, and we've got a number of those that we're going to do uh, over the course of, uh, of time. And so this one is uh, on the subject of how do you begin and sustain prayer meetings uh, as kind of the most uh, foundational beginning point for the House of Prayer. And uh, we're going to do three sessions. And uh, this first session is entitled Establishing Prayer Meetings. Now, as we uh, begin this, because this is also serving as a little bit of an introduction to these House of Prayer Leadership tracks in, in total, I just want to touch on what the four uh, main uh, objectives are in these leadership tracks. Um, one is there uh, to train leaders and uh, those that feel called to go out and plant houses of prayer, praying communities, campus prayer groups, uh, praying churches, all different kinds of expressions of uh, prayer, those that feel the call to do that, uh, we want to um, help train leaders in, uh, in in how to do that and uh, and provide uh, them with you know on-site training in these uh, in these little one-day workshops that we're doing um, in how to get those tools and, and so our hope is that people come to some of them, come to all of them, and uh, and as they participate, uh, really get an injection uh, on what it is that uh, is something that they maybe really need to be able to build the house of prayer. I feel like probably there'll be some people that will see the different tracks that we're offering and they'll go, well, I don't really need that one. I don't really need that one. But wow, I really need to know how to do that. That would be helpful if I could get a little injection on that. So to train leaders is, uh, is the first objective. Second is to provide tools. Um, those that are already building uh, the house of prayer somewhere or helping to build the house of prayer, and uh, they're trying to figure out uh, how to do what they're doing better. They look at uh, their systems and they go, Man, uh, our uh, you know our sacred trust or or whatever, however they do it, maybe they don't even have a sacred trust. Their their prayer meeting commitment, uh, you know, could really use uh, some insight. And so they come and uh, and they do this uh, not as a uh, leadership training 
start to finish, but they just want uh, one of those little modules to be able to, uh, you know, strengthen the house of prayer that they're already doing. Third is to create a uh, training environment for those that are in our midst. And so we've got a number of staff that have been with us uh, for years now, and that's uh, a real hope that we're going to be able to utilize these uh, house of prayer leadership tracks to uh, give language, give a little bit of, of uh more exposure and more why behind the what uh, to some of our um, leaders, to some of our staff, so that they've got uh, the ability uh, in this training environment that we're doing to process through, think through some of the, you know, why do we do things that way? and uh, how, how will I be able to communicate that later on? Because we believe that in the coming uh, years, there's going to be uh, only a, a continued, a rapidly growing um, uh, the increased pace of the prayer movement across the nations. And so there are going to need to be places that not only have been doing the house of prayer for a while, but know how to communicate it so that others that come in can be benefited and, and help grow in the understanding of how it, it all works. And so we want to create a training environment for our staff to learn, to think through, to, to hear the ideas again, so that they can get uh, a grid to be able to communicate that later on to, uh, to that next group. That will come through, and then uh, lastly, and it's uh, it may actually be the primary reason, uh, which makes it uh, a lot easier because uh, then no matter how good or bad these sessions go, uh, we're able still to accomplish a main objective, and that is uh, to generate resources uh, for those later on. Um, more than likely, we'll only have a handful of people come through and do these leadership training uh, or these uh, Husper leadership tracks uh, in our midst uh, as we record them. But once they're recorded, now we got them forever. And we can then uh, develop these resources and get them into the hands of people uh, across the nation and across the nations, um, hopefully, to be able to help just give people uh, some uh, bit of clue on, uh, on how to build the house of prayer. I just think about um, where I was when, when we started uh, this uh, house of prayer, you know, eight and a half, nine years ago, and what an incredible help it would have been if this type of resource existed, uh, there would have been a thousand lessons I wouldn't have had to have gone and learned. There would have been a hundred frustrating nights with a whiteboard that could have been productive nights instead of you know me just staring at a blank whiteboard trying to figure out how to build the house of prayer. These resources, we're just going to share where we've been, what we've done, what we've seen work as we've been in relationship and connection to other houses of prayer uh, from across the uh, the state and across the nation. Uh, what are uh, the the working um, uh, components of the House of Prayer, and if, if we can get these resources into the hands of those that are just getting started, this will be an incredible jump start for them, and I feel like uh, we can actually give a real injection on the subject because it's something that we understand a little bit, uh, really out of our own despair and brokenness, having not understood and not having anybody uh, hold our hand through the process, we can now hopefully create some resources that will be a helpful uh, benefit to others. So with all that, uh, we can't talk about establishing prayer meetings uh, if I don't give you a little bit of the background on us and how we got started. Um, and so I want to do that for just a couple of minutes here. When uh, I was 18, I got saved. And I felt a call to be a missionary in Africa. And thought that uh, that was going to be uh, my life um, endeavor. I really anticipated uh, things that the Lord was showing me. I really anticipated... Um, being in a mission field for you know many 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 years and then dying a martyr uh, somewhere over in Africa that was really kind of my 
my vision for life. I really thought that's how things were going to go. And um, I, uh, I eventually got to the point where the Lord launched me into the mission field. I was there for a season. They made it clear that I was supposed to come back. And uh, I didn't know what, though. He didn't give me direction. He just said, it's time to come back to, uh, to the state. And so I did in obedience and uh, came back to Arlington, uh, which had been home for me for a number of years. And uh, I sat around trying to figure out what in the world I was going to do with my life. And I was still trying to figure out how to get back into the mission field because that's what I really felt uh, the, the burning in my heart was to evangelize to uh, Muslims over in Africa. And I just wasn't in the cards. And uh, for a year and a half, the Lord just allowed me to really not know what to do, really be pretty aimless. And uh, I still love Jesus. I was reading the word. I was leading, you know, small group Bible studies and ministering to people and doing a lot of the things that, you know, you know to do when you love Jesus. But I did not feel any sort of purpose or direction in my life. And uh, one day I'm sitting on my couch and uh, I'm reading a book and uh, I got a, a life altering uh, call into the prayer movement. Uh, and uh, I had I didn't even know there was a prayer movement, but I was to find that out very quickly as I'm sitting on this couch and um, out of nowhere, the last phrases I would have ever thought of in my life uh, came so clearly. It wasn't audible, but it was so clear. The voice of the Lord just said, as I'm sitting there on, on the couch, I got the clearest directional word. The voice of the Lord said, start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop until I come back. And just the weight of that, the Lord just speaking that over and over. And I was on the floor just under the power of God, recognizing that my entire world was over, recognizing that everything that I had thought I was going to do just got somehow shifted or amended or new information because the Lord just told me what I was supposed to do every morning for the rest of my life until the second coming. Uh, and that was not a thought process I had given much time to ever. I think I'd read the book of Revelation a couple of times, but I had never uh, at all thought uh, last generation prayer movement, daily prayer meetings, that was never anything that had crossed my mind before. And now I find myself no longer a missionary in Africa, but now commissioned, somehow connected to the house of prayer. I didn't have language for house of prayer. I wasn't thinking house of prayer. I was just thinking, we're going to start daily prayer meetings every morning at 5 a.m., no less. And so uh, so we started the next morning. Um, we I just sent out a, some uh, emails and made some phone calls and just said, hey, my life's over. I need some help. Uh, the Lord just gave me the clearest commission that I ever have heard in my life. It was the clearest word to this day. It's the clearest uh, word or directional word that I've ever gotten. I was so crystal clear about what I was supposed to be doing, when I was supposed to be doing it, and a very little bit about how uh, I was supposed to be doing it. And so I just made some phone calls and sent out some emails. And that next morning, the very first morning, we're talking about you know just a few hours later, because it's maybe four or five o'clock uh, in the afternoon on whatever day of the week it was beforehand. That next morning, 11 people showed up at the door at 4.45, 11 uh, rowdy 20-year-olds ready to have a prayer meeting in my living room at 5 a.m. because apparently the Lord was doing something. It was a sovereign thing that these 11 people showed up that next day. And uh, and so we did a prayer meeting. We didn't know what we were doing, but, you know, we did it anyway. And uh, at that time, and I just want to be honest about this, uh, I was not thinking house of prayer. I, I, I had been to IOP Kansas City uh, a few times and loved it, but... I was thinking the Lord just told me to do prayer meetings. I wasn't thinking at all this was going to be a house of prayer at, in any sort of version of how we understand it right now. Uh, we were just thinking, well, let's start prayer meetings seven days a week. And so uh, it was just like a way that the Lord was just trying to uh, introduce the concept of prayer 
uh, into uh, into that small group of uh, of people um, and and get us thinking along the line of uh, doing prayer as kind of a daily rhythm of life. It was just so sovereign the way that the Lord set it all up, and we'll touch on some more of that uh, uh, here in a minute about the wisdom of uh, seven days a week and such. But uh, but at the time we were thinking, hey, we're still going to do everything we were doing in life before, and we're going to add seven day a week prayer meetings into that. Um, uh, and it was uh, wasn't long after that that the Lord started to make it clear that He had more for us, and that it wasn't just about starting daily prayer meetings. That was just the beginning point. But when we started, we we didn't know. Um, the part that I, I want to uh, focus on here on on this piece of our story and our journey is that. We truly started with nothing. Um, I had no uh, influence. You know, I mean, probably all 11 people who, uh, who cared about what I had to think or say were there the next morning. Uh, I had no uh, influence, no influence at a church, no, um, you know, there was just, there was no influence. And influence is a major component when you're trying to build anything because it means people, it can mean money and all those different things. And we had zero influence. We also had no tools or resources. We did not know how to build the house of prayer, and we didn't have uh, any resources on how to figure out how to build the house of prayer. And so it was just, it was a very, uh, very interesting um, way to get started. No platform to draw people, no money to buy anything. We had no place to meet except my living room. Uh, we, we had absolutely nothing. And uh, the reason that I think that that's an important detail to share in this as we kind of transition out of our history is because to start with nothing and build with nothing is the most reproducible model on the planet. Because it doesn't mean you had to have favor with these people or you had to already have a good start or you had to have a good sized group of people to get started or you needed this, or you needed a name or you needed a, you know, a name in the city, you needed all these things. You, we didn't have anything. And, uh, and so I think that that actually makes uh, our voice on this particular subject of how to build the house of prayer um, helpful because uh, while there might be others that have been more successful than we have, I mean, I know many, um, we started off with the least amount, the least resource, the least influence, the least finance, the least position. And as a result, uh, if we have been successful over the course of the years, uh, then we've set a, uh, a path for how others can start off with nothing. And if you start off with more, great, even better for you but how you can start with absolutely nothing and grow into a uh, successful house of prayer. And so here it is eight and a half years later, and we've got live worship from five o'clock in the morning to 11 PM at night. So it's 18 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, we've been doing that for, you know, we've, it's been growing since uh, uh, September, 2005 when we started these prayer meetings. Uh, but here it is now in, uh, in May of, uh, you know, 2014 and, We've got 126 hours a week of live worship. We've got a part-time Bible school and some other trainings. We do a weekly encounter service. We've got a very successful house of prayer. It's still very weak and small, uh, but it's uh, it's very successful from the standpoint of it started and it grew and it's continued to grow and continued to, to have traction. And really the biggest uh, 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 barometer of success when you're talking about the house of prayer is, are you still existing? And here it is eight and a half years and we are still existing. And so that is successful in a, in a very real way. And, uh, and so I believe um, that that's a helpful uh, mo uh, note of encouragement to those that are starting houses of prayer, that with nothing, we could still be in existence and be growing and be uh, 
gaining in in strength and, and influence and those kinds of things uh, eight and a half years after our starting point. So I hope that that will be um, an encouragement to people as a very reproducible model. Start with nothing, get a little, get half a penny, and then go from half a penny to a nickel and go from a nickel to a quarter and quarter to five dollars and start growing, uh, not just in the financial realm, but in in wisdom and understanding and infrastructure and in, in finances and in people involved, all those different capacities. So, so with that, uh, that's really all the, uh, the, um, the foundation so that I can say the next thing. And that is to those that are thinking about starting a house of prayer, to those that feel uh, called, feel something, the Lord's stirring in them about starting the house of prayer. I want to help you overcome your excuses and I want to help you get started immediately. Um, cause what you need to get started is maybe one other person who will commit to pray with you. And that could be your spouse or your son or your next door neighbor or your roommate. It could be anybody. It could be a friend from, a, you know, from, you know, five miles away. All you need is one other person. And that's really the only thing you need because there's almost no preparation involved whatsoever in order to get started and say, uh, a common mistake that I see people make, you know, as we've been doing this house of prayer thing for a while, uh, we have people often come in the door and say, hey, listen, I'm feeling, uh, you know, uh, like the Lord's want me to start a house of prayer or get, you know, something started. And the first question I always ask them is, how many prayer meetings a week are you doing right now? And their answer is normally zero. And go, well, we're wanting to get started. We're going to get started. I said, what are you waiting on? Well, we need this. You need nothing. You don't need any time. You don't need any money. You don't need any people. All you need is the will to say yes and get started immediately. And they kind of look at me funny like, well, shouldn't we, you know, get ready and get all these things started? And what winds up happening, this has been my experience, so many of those that talk about, I feel a call to do this, still feel a call to do it a year later and they've not started the prayer meetings yet. I see that happen over and over. And so I think it's a uh, actually a plan from the enemy to get the house of prayer stunted in its growth process, to get people thinking about all the preparation work that they need in order to be able to launch into the thing. Just get started. Start tomorrow. Start tomorrow uh, morning or tomorrow night with just your spouse or one friend or whoever you can find. Um, and don't wait any longer. Get prayer meetings started immediately. If you're supposed to do a house of prayer, start a house of prayer tomorrow and start it awful. Start it bad. You can always make it better. Um, Again, we got started in 10 hours, and we got started with daily prayer meetings. And here we are eight and a half years later, and it's still going. We, we had no prep time. I wasn't thinking house of prayer the day before. <clears throat> I wasn't thinking daily prayer meetings the day before. We didn't do a, a big you know, email campaign and raise money and get all this stuff. We started in my living room because I had a living room. If I didn't have a living room, if I was in a little apartment, we'd have done it in an apartment. If we didn't have an apartment, I'd have found my friend's apartment. If we didn't have a friend's apartment, we'd have met in a parking lot. I mean, it's like you can meet anywhere. It doesn't matter where. So uh, so you don't need a, you know, a special place. You don't need any a special amount of money. You can get started immediately with whatever little bit you already have uh, going on for you. And so I just want to encourage people that you don't need a dollar. You don't need 10 people committed to prayer. You don't need a building. You don't even need to have a clue about what you're doing. You can be totally clueless because we were. We're the most reproducible model that you can find out there. We knew nothing. We had nothing. We had no prep time. I sent out a few emails and said, let's start daily prayer meetings tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. Who's with me? And 11 people showed up the next day. Now, those 11 people weren't still there three weeks later. 
but a couple of them were. And for three weeks, we had, you know, eight, nine, ten of people in prayer meetings. That was pretty cool. Uh, but the point is, we got started in no time at all. And I want to encourage everybody who's feeling the call to build the house of prayer, start immediately. Don't make up any excuses. Don't let the enemy, don't let your wisdom, don't let anything stop you. Start prayer meetings tomorrow. So there's the, there's the simple plug. All you need, this is the only thing that you need. If you don't have this, then you won't make it. But as long as you have this one component, you will be successful and the house of prayer will become a reality. Determination not to quit. All you need is a nudge from the Holy Spirit that says do it. And if you already feel that, then you're commissioned. You're good to go. You feel the Lord saying it? <clears throat> Start prayer meetings. All you need is determination not to quit. And the, the not quitting part really has a lot less to do with uh, the time of you know saying, well, I've been doing it for weeks or I've been doing it for months. That's actually not hard. The, the want to quit thing comes in when everybody else is quitting and they're leaving you and they're not doing the prayer meetings anymore. It's just you and your friend again or you and your spouse or your kid or whatever. And, and that even that friend or spouse, you're having to uh, coerce to come to that one prayer meeting. I know how that is. When we started, I had a couple of roommates. And if I had not had a couple of roommates, it would have just been me in those prayer meetings for a while. I coerced them and said, you will be kicked out of my house. If you don't come to these prayer meetings, you've got to come to prayer meetings because I don't want to do it by myself. God said, we're doing these prayer meetings. So we're doing it. And so uh, so the determination just to not quit when it gets skinny, when people are leaving or they're frustrated or you know when it doesn't seem that anointed, if you just can overcome and set yourself to not quit, then you get, it's you win, you've got a successful house of prayer. Uh, nobody can stop you. That is the one thing you need is just a little bit of grit to say, I'm not going to quit when it gets difficult. And then... To deal with, you know, what I was calling excuses earlier, I get it. I'm a leader. I, I like being prepared. I like having things uh, in a row. I like, uh, you know, being able to cast the vision ahead of time and get people started and get people in the in the zone and cast vision, all that stuff. I, I appreciate all that. Just don't let it be an excuse that keeps you from getting started. <clears throat> the uh, the uh, so I, I want to be empathetic that you can improve as you go. You'll start off not really knowing what you're doing. You'll start off with really not that many people, not many people you even got to talk to about it. Just improve as you go. It gives you something to work on in between prayer meetings. So you got prayer meetings going every day. Just have some uh, side conversations with the Lord about how to make things better, about how to improve uh, <clears throat> you know, what you're doing. We've got a, uh, a whole uh, series that we're going to do uh, committed to uh, developing and improving upon your prayer model. So, uh, so we're not really going to touch on that one. Uh, in this uh, series, but it's a, it's a worthy thing to do to try to improve what you're already doing and find other ways to make things better. I, my thought process, and uh, those that are uh, around here hear me say it all the time, is that you can always improve upon bad, but you can't improve upon nothing. So just start something bad and then see how bad it is and make it a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and eventually you'll have something good. Uh, but those that are waiting for something good to start with uh, you may find yourself waiting a long time. I just want to dispel the, the the myth that you need to have your ducks in a row before you get prayer meetings started. Prayer is the most simple thing on the earth. Anybody on the planet can do it. Anybody. And so, uh, so you really don't need any preparation to get prayer started. Okay, so now I want to touch on the wisdom of daily prayer meetings. Now, I didn't know what the Lord uh, was doing. I had no clue what he was doing. But he was accomplishing about a hundred things that I found so far. Maybe it's a thousand, but there's nine hundred still waiting for me to figure out. 
But I had no idea what all the Lord was up to and how loaded the statements were that the Lord gave me to start these prayer meetings, the wisdom of it. He told me to start a daily prayer meeting. So that meant seven days a week, a daily prayer meeting at a specific time. And it was the same time every day um, with no end date. I mean, those were those are three massive components, actually. I mean, now that I've been doing this a little while, that is a uh, those are very uh, hemming in points daily, a specific time every single day and no end date. Just keep going. And there's we're not going to do this for a week or a month or a year. We're going to do this until those are some major uh, DNA uh, components that the Lord was actually um, slipping in that I had no idea what was happening. I, I did not see all those. And, and uh, part of what's happened um, in uh, being able to do some uh, consulting, I, I travel around a little bit and get to talk with houses of prayer and help them with their processes and, and, uh, and see, you know, how they can uh, work things out a little bit better. We, you know, we draw from a little bit of our experience and some of those other houses of prayer that we're in relationship with across the state and the nation. And one of the things that I see um, often is I see houses of prayer and uh, and prayer groups trying to build without these simple principles in place, and uh, and and they wind up uh, being uh, far less successful than they could be. I'll just say it that way. I'm not going to say they can't have success because I think you can. I just think that there is a better way, and I think that the Lord actually uh, was giving uh, us some of the the little uh, hints and even the cheat codes. Uh, to how to make this thing work a little bit better and uh, run more fluidly, uh, just even in the original uh, conversation. So the part about daily prayer meetings, there is a significant difference. And I I just want to say this uh, uh, so clearly but kindly. There is a significant difference between trying to establish a culture of prayer where where you've got a, a, a group of people that are thinking uh, and eating and breathing and sleeping and drinking prayer as a cultural dynamic, as a, as a piece of who they are, the DNA of a community, very different between trying to establish a culture of prayer and trying to start a prayer meeting. A prayer meeting can be on the menu of life, but that's not what the house of prayer is trying to do. That's not what the prayer movement is really striving towards. It's trying to make prayer the center point and not uh, one of the little uh, additives uh, on on the diet of the believer. The whole concept of of uh, the prayer movement is that we would be get, be forming a culture of prayer. And there's a very difference between a big difference between uh, those two realities of trying to start a weekly prayer meeting where you get some people together and pray, and that is awesome. Right? That is so good. That is so powerful. But that could not look more different than trying to establish a culture of prayer because. Everything changes about the priorities, about the way you talk, about the way you spend your time and your money. Everything changes when you're trying to establish a culture of prayer versus trying to establish a weekly prayer meeting or two. Those are very different components. And so I just want to say these leadership tracks really don't speak at all to how to start a prayer meeting or two a week. That's not even what this is. Uh, these leadership tracks are about. These are about trying to establish a culture of prayer. And so with that, um, uh, with that statement, uh, I'm sure anybody that wants to start a prayer meeting or two a week can learn some things from these things, but that's not who I'm aiming at. And so uh, I'm going to speak to the group that's trying to establish a culture of prayer because that is a very different reality than a prayer meeting or two a week. Uh, And having uh, done a prayer meeting or two a week for uh, a number of years uh, before 
um, the uh, the call to do a house of prayer. Uh, I know uh, a little bit about what it's like to call people together, to get them together once a week to pray. Uh, that's doable. Um, to try to establish a culture, my my entire world had to change in order to build a culture of prayer. And so uh, with that, I want to say that um, to establish a culture of prayer, you need to start daily prayer meetings at least Monday through Friday, if not seven days a week. So this concept of how do we start and sustain prayer? How do we build a culture of prayer? Um, start five days a week or seven, you know, or just do Monday through Saturday. But don't do four days a week. Don't do three days a week. Start with five days a week or more from the very beginning. Because you're trying to change things. You're trying to establish a culture, not make a little bit of a, a ripple in the water. You're trying to uh, shift things greatly. We'll talk on culture of prayer uh, here in a, in a later session. So uh, uh, some of the why behind that, um, ease of communication. You want for your prayer schedule to be as easy to communicate as possible. One of the realities uh, about what uh, this whole thing of the house of prayer, praying churches, um, a difficulty is that you've already got 10 strikes against you about what you're trying to get people to do because you're not trying to get them to sign up to go to Six Flags and have a great afternoon. You're trying to get them to sign up for a lifestyle of prayer. And you're talking to busy people who have busy lives and many, many other priorities. So there are already a number of hindrances in trying to get people involved in what you're doing and trying to explain what your ministry is. I mean, what kind of a ministry just prays? I mean, that is a very unusual uh, concept. And so, uh, so you've already got a number of uh, issues. The last thing that you want is for there to be difficulty in communicating when you have your prayer meetings. You want to be able to say very succinctly, uh, we meet Monday through Friday at this time. We, we meet every day of the week or seven days a week You know, at, uh, at this, uh, this time. You want to have a, uh, a communication that is so simple. It's so difficult to say, well, we meet every other Thursday, uh, but then we always meet on Tuesdays, except if it's the fifth Tuesday of a month and we don't meet. Uh, but then, but we meet on uh, Fridays, and uh, and then we meet in the mornings on on Saturdays most of the time. I mean, that is so confusing; no one even heard you. You need to be able to say, uh, "We've got Monday through Friday at this time, and if it ends in day, we're there," you know, and we're doing it. And uh, and and that's the kind of communication that makes it very easy because they walk away and they didn't hear all of the little well on Tuesday and the third further. They don't hear that. All they hear is they wanted a simple answer and you gave them a difficult one and they tuned you out and they're not coming. And so you want to be able to figure out a way to make it as easy to communicate. And part of that is you need to be doing it in a way that's easy to do. Second piece of that, establish set times. It's just as important that the time be the same seven days a week or five days a week as it is that you're doing it five days a week. So uh, I want to advise strongly against, and I know there are reasons uh, to do it this way. I, I know. I know the reasons. I've thought through the reasons. I've heard others uh, that have got different reasons, but I want to advise against the idea of five-day-a-week prayer meetings that aren't at the exact same time every day. So, uh, well, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we do morning prayer meetings, but Tuesday, Thursday, we do afternoon prayer meetings. Don't do that. Do them all at the same time, if at all possible. Set it across the board for the sake of communication and for the sake of getting people to start to build around the time frame that you've set up. Again, you're trying to establish a culture. This really has way more to do with establishing a culture of prayer than it does about even having prayer meetings. Um, 
And so part of that is the predictability. There is power in predictability. It's the reason that businesses have their business hours the same every week and every day and every month. I mean, it's, you know, okay, well, when is Walmart open? They're open 24-7. Makes it really easy. It's very predictable. You know if you're in the middle of the night and you want to get something from Walmart, you know you can go there and get it. Why? Because they've got an established schedule. It's very simple. You know what it is. It's predictable. You can count on it. They're actually there when you go. The door's not locked. It's like, oh, well, I guess they took the day off. I mean, they're doing what they said they would do. There is power in predictability. And the same thing in your prayer meetings that you would have set uh, times, the set time on uh, every day of the week, and that way people know, you know what, uh, that prayer group, they do this prayer meeting every morning at 8 a.m. Well, it's 8 a.m. right now, or it's 7.50. I got a little bit of time before work, and they know that they can come. There's power and predictability. Um, and, uh, and in addition to that, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get people to start to shift uh, the way that they uh, think and do things uh, to make alignment with your prayer meeting schedule. We'll, we'll look on that in a future session. Next piece. So we've talked about uh, set time. We've talked about uh, set days, doing it five days a week or seven days a week. I'm just going to talk about it as seven days a week. If you guys decide uh, that you need to do five for whatever reasons, that's, you know, do whatever you got to do. But I want to I strongly stand against four days a week. Do it five days a week or seven days a week. So, uh, we talked about having it seven days a week. We talked about having it at the same time every day. Now, same location. Have a set location. Uh, it's another one of those, you're going to lose people in the process if you're like, well, Monday through Thursday, we're at uh, we're at the church, uh, but uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're at so-and-so's living room. I would say it's way better to be at so-and-so's living room seven days a week then split it between the church and so-and-so's living room. You go, well, the reason we were doing it at the church, you know, the four days a week is because it's got a nicer facility. I would take predictability over nicer facility any day. Just the fact that it's always at the same place. You're going to have people showing up at the wrong place. And then and then because they were there and then the prayer meeting only lasts so long, they're going to not come to the prayer meeting because they showed up at the wrong place. They're going to be discouraged. They're going to go, well, I don't have to drive you know, a few more miles over to so-and-so's house because I didn't know it was Friday and they meet over there on Friday. Do the exact same place every single day. So whatever many prayer meetings you do, do them all at the same place. Have a set time, a set location. And uh, and again, the location, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it can be a living room. We did it for three years in my living room. Three years. We did 14 prayer meetings a week. I didn't tell you that part, but we started a second prayer meeting at night. So now we were doing prayer meetings every morning and prayer meetings every night. And all of them were in the living room. And so people came over to the house and the, the house address never changed. We never did a prayer meeting someplace else. We always did it right there. And so it was really easy and very predictable. And so I just want to encourage you, take predictability and consistency over a nicer facility. Take the ability of that which a room that you can actually control. Hey, we can always meet in the living room. or We can always meet in the broom closet. Or we can always meet in, the, in that guy's car in the parking lot. I mean, we can always meet there. Do something that you have actually control over the space. Instead of, well, sometimes we can use this building, sometimes we can use that. I want to just discourage against that. You need predictability, easy to communicate. Nothing is harder to communicate than different times, different days, different locations. That just muddies everything. Um, and so uh, just have it be something very simple. And, uh, and then this last little point on uh, how to set up these prayer meetings, I want to say something that might be a little bit surprising to you. I would encourage you to arrange the, the meetings around your personal life. 
you personally. So if you're the one God's speaking to, hey, I know I'm supposed to start uh, prayer meetings or I'm going to be the director of the house of prayer or the guy over the prayer ministry, whatever. So the gal over the prayer ministry. If you're the person that's supposed to be doing it, build the prayer schedule primarily. It doesn't have to mean that you don't ever think about anybody else's schedule, but you do need to think primarily about your schedule. Because if you're the one called to be there, you need to be the one that's actually there every day. You need to be the one in it, you know, helping it grow, maturing it, strengthening it. The Lord wants, if he's calling you to be there, or you to, to be the leader, that he's calling you to be in the prayer meetings specifically. So don't do a schedule that, okay, well, we're going to do five days a week, but, but we're going to do it at nights, and you're only free one or two nights a week. Well, that won't work. Give up on that plan. Do the plan where you can be there. If you're doing five days a week, you can be there five days a week. Pick a time that can work where you can actually be a part of the process uh, for all the prayer meetings, especially in the early starting points. You, if, if the Lord is calling you to be uh, the, the uh, backbone behind this, you need to know the Lord is calling you to a life prayer. So it's not enough that you would uh, uh, start prayer meetings and administrate it from a distance. The Lord's actually calling you to be a man or a woman of prayer. And so you need to plan on being in all the prayer meetings. You just need to plan your schedule that you're going to start five-day-a-week prayer meetings. That is now your routine, five days a week or seven days a week. You are going to be there as the leader. You're going to be in every single prayer meeting, you know, unless you're out of town or sick or something. And your, your plan is you are the leader of the prayer ministry. You are going to be the one who's in prayer more than anybody else uh, that's a part of the ministry. And if you don't do that, there's all kinds of trickle effects uh, that happen that are negative if you yourself don't take that uh, as the primary you know, uh, focus and, and point. So I just want to make that uh, real strong too. Build the prayer meeting schedule around what you can do. If you've got more availability in the mornings, do mornings. More availability at noon, do noon. Night, night. But build it around you. Now listen to what other people that are kind of in your uh, in your sphere of influence have to say, well, you know, I, I just would never be able to come if it's at night. Okay, well, if that's one or two people that say that, but you've got three or four that can commit to the mornings, or, uh, that can commit to nights, um, then do nights. You know, well, if you're like, well, really nobody in our group would ever come if it was mornings. Well, don't do mornings, you know. Uh, but more than likely what you're going to find, this is just kind of after, you know, eight and a half, nine years of doing this, more than likely what you're going to find is you're going to find a third of the people that can't do mornings, a third that can't do afternoons, and a third that can't do nights. And so you're going to find that there's really it makes no difference whether you do morning, noon, or night. Do it according to your schedule. What can you pull off? Uh, what is it that you can actually, uh, you know, uh, do? And so I just want to encourage you to build the prayer meetings, do them daily, do them at the same time, do them in the same location, and uh, and set that time according to what your schedule can look like. The Lord hijacked me. I had no idea uh, what it meant to get up at four o'clock in the morning or whatever every day. Uh, to get and be a prayer meeting. But I'll tell you what, there was some serious wisdom because apart from sleeping, there ain't nobody who's got a conflict at 5 a.m. There is nobody who's got a conflict. They're, they're sleeping, but if they can just get past that, they're not working. They're not, you know, going to school. They're not, you know, busy with this or a Bible study with that. They've got nothing going on at 5 a.m. And so really the brilliance of the Lord, uh, it was a little sneaky, uh, I admit, but it was the brilliance of the Lord to set a daily prayer time at a time that had no conflicts uh, other than sleep, which, again, I recognize that that is a conflict. But, but we found a way to navigate it over the course of the years is that uh, 
There was such brilliance. And I didn't understand all that. I did not know the wisdom of what the Lord was telling me. But now after seeing so many different expressions of the house of prayer that aren't building that way, it's not that they're, they're not experiencing success. It's just that they're, they're not experiencing all the success that they could because it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to build the rigors of this. And this is, a, uh, this is just the, the blueprints that the Lord gave us. And we've seen the wisdom of the consistency of the schedule. It gets into you, not just even into them that are coming. It gets into you. It starts becoming a part of your daily routine. It's the wisdom of why uh, you, you go to bed about the same time every night. It's the wisdom of why you eat lunch about the same time every day. Why you go to work about the same time every day. Because you build the routines of life in your schedule, and they start to become automatic, uh, uh, deeply rooted into what you do, how you do things, your routine, your life, your rhythm. And that's what a culture of prayer is about, is trying to develop that rhythm. And so there's so much wisdom in having it be a set part of your life and the lives of those that are around you. And the only way to do that is to build some serious consistency and be at least as committed to this as you are to your secular job. Be at least as committed to this as you are to lunch. You know what I mean? It's like set the thing in place, and over the course of time, uh, you'll be able to uh, sustain it. You'll be, you'll be glad you did it. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll touch on a couple more pieces here, and then we'll do some Q&A. Um, keeping the meetings going. So I just told you how to get the meetings started. Now, let me tell you how to keep the meetings going once they're started. A uh, couple of, uh, of points here that I'll give you. Uh, one, if you want to make sure the meetings... Keep going. You just be there every day. And then the worst case, the worst prayer meeting you ever have is just you and it still happened. And uh, just draw your line in the sand as a leader and say that no matter what happens, I'm going to commit myself to this schedule. I'm going to do it. I don't mean if you get sick. I mean, of course, I, I understand all that. But I'm saying don't give up because you're tired of it. Don't get up or don't give up on it because you know, nobody's coming. Don't give up on it because you're bored or because other opportunities are presenting themselves. Don't do any of that. Just If you want to see these meetings keep going, set yourself and say, I am not going to quit no matter what comes. I am going to be doing a daily prayer meeting every day. I'm going to be there. And if you'll do that, what you'll wind up doing, um, whether intentionally or not, is you're putting a flag in the dirt and you're saying there is this immovable person that will not stop praying. They pray every single day. They got a corporate prayer meeting every single day. They won't stop. Nothing can stop them. They are just, uh, you know, a difficult man or woman to reckon with. They do prayer meetings and they will not stop. And you know they will not stop because they've been doing it for weeks, months, years. And once you start to build a little bit of a tenure, a little bit of a track record there, people start to see that as a flag in a generation that needs leaders that will actually do this stuff and they will rally to you. I just, as, as the field of dreams goes, if you build it, they will come, but you've got to build it. And part of that building it is you actually doing it every day. Part of that of you building it is, uh, uh, is you being there setting, uh, your, uh, drawing that line in the sand and committing to the schedule. People will only follow leaders that they're seeing actually do it, whatever it is. You know, it's the reason that you, uh, if you're, you know, in, in uh, you know, the military, you want a battle-trained, you know, battle-hardened vet who's leading the charge. You know, not some wussy pencil pusher that's, you know, a, a general. And you're following this general that's never actually been out there, never actually had to face, you know, landmines and live firefights and those kinds of things. You want somebody that's been out there that's done it because you've got a measure of respect to go, 
I can follow that person. Well, people are looking for leaders. People are looking for leaders. The body of Christ is looking to those that they can actually put some respect behind and go, I respect that person. They're leading. They're actually leading the charge. They're actually doing it. People are looking for that. But uh, but what you don't want is to uh, is to disappoint them in that they think you're actually doing it. And they come and get involved and find out that you're really not, that you come to a prayer meeting or two or three a week, uh, but that you're not really the one leading the charge on the thing. And uh, and that, that's a major disappointment. And uh, a lot of people can smell that a mile off, and the ones that can't figure it out real quick once they get involved. People are looking for leaders that are leading. So coming to a couple of prayer meetings uh, isn't sufficient enough of a level of commitment to be able to call others into a lifestyle of prayer. The reason that general can say, go give your life out on the battlefield is because he went out there and he gave his life on the battlefield first. And so a big part of this is uh, setting ourselves uh, as leaders that are actually doing it uh, and not just talking about it. I want to encourage you to never cancel a prayer meeting ever. And the reason is because it's human nature that once it's just something in us. I just hate this about myself, but I know that it's just so uh, human nature. That once we've canceled one thing, it's easier to cancel again. Once we've uh, lost, you know, once, it's easier to just find ourselves in a losing streak. Once we've given in once, it's easier to give in to that temptation again and again. I would encourage you to never cancel a prayer meeting, ever. And uh, just, to, just to set yourself, because one turns into, uh, you know, one uh, canceled prayer meeting turns into one canceled prayer meeting a week. Well, you know, we canceled it last Thursday because we only had two people here. Let's just cancel it this Thursday, too. Well, now, congratulations, you're down to four days a week because you just canceled it. And then once you do that, well, then people start showing up on Thursdays a little bit. They wanted to get involved. And now they see, oh, well, you don't actually do those prayer that you said you do anymore. Now they're not going to come get involved. And then over the course of time, you just, well, we don't do Thursdays. Let's not do Tuesdays either. Let's just keep it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I know this sounds a little bit interesting or a little uh, uh like, well, I don't know if that's real or not. I know multiple groups that have done exactly what I just said. They canceled once because it was difficult. And I get it. I mean, I know I've been to a few difficult prayer meetings. And then they, they got into a streak. And eventually, one cancel turned into one once a week, turned into one whole prayer meeting, turned into, you know, uh, once a month they take it off. I mean, it's, it just winds up going downhill. It's a slippery slope. So I just want to encourage you, hold the line and don't even go down that path. Uh Especially in the formative years of building the house of prayer, it's way more. I just want to say this kindly to every leader. It's way more about the Lord digging a well in your own heart as a leader, as a getting a, a, a connection to him. It is way more about you digging a well than it is even about the prayer meetings itself. The prayer meetings are powerful. The prayer meetings are good. The prayer meetings, are, you know, the Lord's going to move. The prayer of, uh, of a righteous man is powerful and effective. There's going to be good things move and shift as a result of those prayer meetings. I just want to tell you, what is going on in a far deeper way is what the Lord is doing in you as the primary leader so that you can sustain and go much further in the years to come. And so you need to think that way instead of, well, there's only three people in the prayer meeting. Yeah, but you're there. And that's the wind from heaven. You're there as the leader. The Lord is doing something in you. He's creating something in you uh, that you could uh, be able to uh, experience and, and, uh, and grow as a leader. And last point, we'll do some Q&A now, is you will experience a number of setbacks. And I just want to tell you that uh, kindly. That's unfortunate, but it's real. You will experience some moments of growth and some moments of setback. 
and those setbacks are disappointing, and it's all part of the process. The growth, the setbacks, the mundane, the joy, the times where the Lord shows up and you think, oh man, it's going to be great if it'll just be like this every day. And it may be like that for a little while, or it may have just been a one-off thing. You're going to experience growth, you're going to experience setbacks, and it's all part of it. it and it's going to really get tough a few times. It's going to be really, really tough to the point where you're just like, I just don't know if I can keep doing this. Keep pressing on. The Lord has got a purpose and a, and a plan for you to be able to do that. Just keep saying yes, no matter what problem you're facing. And whatever problem you're facing, whatever difficulty, just keep saying yes, and that problem will go away. It may take a little bit of time, but it will pass. So uh, with that, uh, let's do a little bit of Q&A. Uh, if you guys have got anything, what I'll do is ask, as you ask the question, I'll repeat it so that it can be uh, recorded into the mic. So any questions? You talked about um, what the Lord was doing in you early on. Uh, could you talk maybe some specifics of what you feel like the Lord was doing as as the leader who was starting out, and it's kind of behind the scenes, the Lord was digging the well in you. Can you talk about some of those? Yeah, the question is, uh, I was talking about um, building, uh, the, the Lord digging a well uh, in, in me as a leader. What did that actually look like? Uh, you know, what was going on there? <clears throat> um, the Lord was teaching me how to not quit when it got tough. And I think that's a primary piece. And the only way, because uh, as leaders, we're going to experience difficulties every year of our life till we're dead. And those difficulties actually only get more difficult, not less difficult. And so if we can't learn how to uh, weather the early difficulties, we'll never even get to a place where we can weather the old ones or, or the bigger ones. And, uh, and that's actually a huge piece of what the Lord's doing in those formative years. Another piece was I didn't know how to pray. Uh, I mean, I, I I prayed every day, but I I didn't. There was a lot of language I didn't have with God, and a lot of uh, part of what happens. Um, think about you've got uh, you've got those friends that are kind of a surface level relationship. You spend a little bit of time with them, and as long as you only spend a little bit of time with them, your conversation is good and uh, it's free flowing and enjoyable. But you you wind up having to spend a weekend together, and you realize you really don't have that much in common. You really don't know that much about each other, and the conversation starts getting awkward, and it's just the two of you sitting on the couch. You as an individual need to, un to have the revelation of your own barrenness in your relationship with God. I loved God. I read the Bible a lot. I prayed. I realized in those early uh, months and years how little I knew God because when I was locked down in a room with him for an hour every single day with other people who were also barren in their relationship with God, I realized, oh my gosh, I don't know what to say. I said it all yesterday. In the first 10 minutes, I said it all. I have nothing else to say to God. I don't even know what to talk about with God. And so you have to go through that own barrenness and, and uh, it's digging a well. And what part of that well is there really is a place of breakthrough, but you've got to build that relationship and you've got to talk about things you've never talked about. And you've got to broaden the conversation and have conversations with the Lord you've never had before and work through those things in the place of prayer. And as a result, then over the course of time, you as a leader are getting a depth of relationship and experiential uh, knowledge of God in the place of prayer, then you can really lead from, and you'll need it in order to be. So those are a couple of uh, big points. Great question. What else? What other questions? When you were starting the prayer in large life, what was one of your biggest hurdles? Yeah. Biggest hurdles when we started the prayer room? Uh, the, the answer is always people and money. Um, and really, that's the case even today. Um, the, uh, the biggest problem um, that we had was how little influence we had, um, because I really did not know, but 
you know, 20 people. And I, I think probably uh, it, getting 11 of them to come to that first morning prayer meeting was um, supernatural. You know, to get 11 out of 20 people that you know show up for something. Um, so the hurdle uh, was not having that many connections and so having so few people to be able to uh, to be able to relate to. And I actually think that's normal. I think that's probably how most people are. You've got those that have got a lot of influence or a good bit, but I, I think that uh, only having a few relational connections and, and little, uh, you know, influence. It's not like I had a big platform of a church of, you know, three or 400 people that I could go, hey, everybody come to prayer meetings. There was no place like that on the earth that would even let me have a microphone, you know, to be able to say such a thing. And so my platform was my 20 friends. And uh, I think that's probably pretty normal. I think the Lord's going to call thousands of people across the earth that are just like that. They know 20 people or 10. And the Lord says, start a prayer ministry that's going to be a house of prayer. that's going to be able to all this. And, uh, and they're just supposed to start with so little, you know? So yeah, great, great question. What other questions? You talked about a second ago, um, how not to quit. So what, what are some of the things that you did in, in the prayer meeting and maybe some outside of the prayer meeting when it got hard? So the question is, uh, how did you not quit? And, uh, and what were the specifics of you know, how you were holding, how I was holding my heart? And what was I doing to not quit? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a big question. Um, the, the answer um, is really pretty simple. Uh, the little engine that could, I think I can, I think I can. You just kind of talk yourself and you go, I'm not quitting, I'm not quitting, I'm not quitting. There's a major power that we actually have over our mind, our will, and our emotions by just what we tell ourselves. If you start saying, I think I'm going to quit, I'm going to give up, then you might actually do that. If you're just like, I am not quitting, there's nothing that's going to stop me. You'll be surprised how that sh- that shift in your um, mind and in heart uh, gives you such strength to actually walk that out. So I remember early on when things would get tough, I'd be like, I am not quitting. I don't care what happens. I'd say it to myself. I'd say it out loud. And, and you might go, that's silly. I'll tell you what, there's power in the tongue, life and death. And I would speak life over myself and I'd say, there's nothing that's going to cause me to quit. And here it is, and then half years later, I would quit. Uh, some of the, the other practical pieces, um, I would constantly be looking for ways to take steps forward. If you're looking for ways to take steps forward, you're giving yourself a vision for tomorrow, a month from now, and a year from now. If you're not looking for ways to take steps forward, you're kind of waiting for the current fuel to run out so that you can quit. And so I was constantly looking for uh, ways to take steps forward. How can we make the prayer meetings better? What can we do to add to this? Who can I get to come to prayer meetings that hasn't been coming? Just those kinds of uh, concepts. Um, and then in the prayer meetings themselves, I would pray, oh God, help me not quit. Oh God, give me strength. You say there is strength that can come from God. So give me strength from God that I would not quit. Great question. Anything else? Whenever you're starting prayer meetings, like what's a good amount of time to give for each meeting? Yeah, I would, uh, the question is uh, how, when just getting started, what's an advisable uh, s- starting amount of time? You do a 45 minute prayer meeting, an hour, six hours. Um, I would say less is more. And uh, we started with an hour and um, I'm glad we did because that was a stretch for us. Uh, but I would, I would not advise anybody to start with more than an hour uh, a day. I would say that that would be crazy difficult. Uh, and an hour is going to be a stretch. But part of the reason that an hour made sense, and I think even makes sense uh, to communicate to others, is 
um, it's a very clear mark of how long you're going to be praying for. Instead of, oh, well, let's meet for 30, 45 minutes. Well, which is it? And do you have a timer? And does 30 minutes turn into 28 minutes and 28, 25 and 25, 15, 15, let's not do it anymore. So I think it's very, you want to have a set amount of time, whatever the time period is, you want to have it defined. We start at this time, we end at this time, and nothing gets in the way of that start and that stop time. No matter what happens, we do it from this time to that time. And so uh, so I would just uh, encourage that kind of a, a thought process um, in, uh, in however you decide to do the prayer meetings, have a start time and a stop time. And I think an hour is a good starting point because we were the most broken, non-praying group. And we figured out how to do an hour, but it was a stretch for us. And I think 45 minutes, uh, you could probably also do that. I, I would just, I would recommend it. Anybody that would ask me, I'd recommend an hour. And then if you, if that's too little time, then add from there. Um, so great question. Thank you again for tuning in to this session of the House of Prayer Leadership Podcast. We're so thankful to Brad Stroop in the prayer room in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, for providing this content for us to equip you. We would love for you to also check out the Presence Pioneers podcast, which exists to help you and your community host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer. God bless.